Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Good morning, church. How are you today? Good, good. It's good to see you and it's great to be here. Um, for some time now, the last few weeks, we've been looking at prayers. Is that right? Okay, and last Sunday, Claire encouraged us and pointed us in the direction of getting some resources. Is that right? Good. How many people have done their homework? Okay, yes, feel free. How many people want to share with us what you've done in the last one week, how what we looked at benefited you? Yes, anybody wants to? Yeah, come on, come on. Do you have a microphone too? Yeah, come on, come on, come on. Hi, um, well I sort of took encouragement from last week really because I do struggle to read my Bible regularly on a regular basis as I kind of wake up and the kids go nuts and have to get everyone out to school. So I've made a big effort this week in trying to get up a bit earlier and read my Bible before I um, go to work, basically. Thank you. Let's encourage her. Come on, come on. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So what I'm going to do is just to continue where we stopped last week. And uh, of course, we've had the Bible passage read to us. But what I really would love us to do is to stand together and read the Bible passage together. Is that right? Yeah, because, you know, how many people know that it's not a football game where we have spectators? You know, we are all involved in this together. Okay? So it will come up on the screen. That's it. That's it. Good. So we are going to stand together, read the portion of scriptures together, and then we'll take off from there. Is that fair enough? So at the mention of go, we start. Go. Nice. The entrance of your word gives light, and it also gives understanding to the simple. We ask that our hearts be opened this morning, in Jesus' name. And let everybody say, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. 
Okay. The last verse we read, it says, continually, steadfastly, devote yourself to prayer. Give yourself to prayer. And so what I've done here is to look at it in various translations. Um, in NIV, it says, devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And ISV says, devote yourself to prayer, be alert. And what? Thankful when you pray. Okay. I'll mention the categories of people this Bible passage addresses. And so, if I call the category you belong to, please stand up. It starts with wives. Are there any wives this morning? Please stand up. And then it says husbands. Please stand up. It says children. Please stand up. Children. Fathers, please stand up. It says bond servants. Bond servants are simply employees, workers, um, those who are working somewhere. If you are, please stand up. And then finally, it says masters, employers, bosses, those who run establishments and all that, please stand up. Is anybody sitting down? Which category are you, if you are still sitting down? Help me. Sorry? Mothers? Well, I'm sorry. When the Bible says fathers, it's parents. Parents. Please, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, fathers, parents, stand up. Yeah, yeah. And uh, is anybody still sitting down? Okay, and what's that? I'm a widow, so I have got my husband. Okay, but you are a parent? Okay. Spiritually, physically? Sorry? Spiritually? Are there people you are... Because parenthood is about responsibility. Not necessarily biological. Are there, okay. Now, okay, fine. When I explain, you find that everybody, even though we are adults, we are still somebody's child. Does that make sense? Yeah, our parents might not be alive. We might be 70, 80. Tony, congratulations. I saw you on, on Facebook the other day. But you're still somebody's son, even they might not be there. But anyway, I said that to make this statement. Please be seated. That the portion of the Bible we read today addresses each of these categories and tells them what to do. But after it has addressed and encouraged them or what they should do, in their role as children, in the family, in the neighborhood, at work, and all that, he goes on to tell them something. What's he telling them? Let's read that together. Go. That's it. Everyone. Whether you are a wife, you are a parent, you are a father, you are a mother, you are a husband, you are working in anywhere, you are a boss, you are a business owner, whatever it is, Whatever your role in the family is, whatever your role in the community is, whatever your role in the workplace is, it says what? Devote yourselves to prayer. So it addresses everyone. Once God expects us to devote ourselves to prayer, to give ourselves to prayer, to be steadfast in prayer. And that's what we've been looking at in the last few weeks. But this morning, I just want to look at this slightly different from Something we've looked at here. You see there, we have 
wives, husbands, everyone is included, one way or another. And whatever it is, we must give ourselves to prayer. And that's it. So you can look at it as an encouragement, an instruction, a command that needs to be obeyed, an expectation to be fulfilled. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, prayer is a command. Turn to your neighbor. You're not used to that, are you? Anyway, I do that, so you have to get used to it for the next 25 minutes. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, prayer is an expectation, prayer is an instruction, and prayer is a command. We're expected to pray, okay? What do we know about prayer? And so, I just want to address a few misconceptions that we see that Jesus talks about about prayer. He says, for example, hypocrites also pray. You've read that in Matthew chapter 6. He says, when you pray, do not pray like the hypocrites. Why? Because they like to show off in public in praying. How many people have read that before? It's there in Matthew chapter 6. Yes, hypocrites also pray. But don't what? Be like them. So that's the thing. So they engage in public prayer with the purpose of being seen, not necessarily being heard by God in heaven. They want to be seen to be praying. So Jesus says, don't be a hypocrite. Number two, we see that prayer is primarily a private affair, but does not frown at public prayer. We are also encouraged to, when we come together to pray and to pray privately by ourselves and also to pray in communities. Number three, we also recognize that prayer is not measured by the volume of words. What did I say? Yeah, prayer is not measured by how long we speak. Because again, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus tells the people, he said, don't think that you'll be hard because you have said so many things. No, it's not. Prayer is measured. How is, them prayer is, me- how is it measured? It's measured by the condition of the heart. What did I say? Prayer is measured by the condition of the heart. So it's important we work at improving the condition of our heart so that our prayer can be heard in heaven. And also, prayer does not, is not a stand-alone activity. What I mean is this. Our prayer should be part of a lifestyle. We have a lifestyle of prayer, and other things included in the lifestyle should reflect an, a devotion to God. So it's not so, it's so that our prayer life is consistent with other areas of our lives. And finally, and this is the bit I really, no, just before then, the fourth one is that how many people think that when you tell God something in prayer, that's when he knows about it for the first time? Prayer is not telling God what he doesn't know. Why? Because there's nothing that God does not know. He knows everything. So, God, can't you see what I'm going through? He knows. So, prayer is not telling God what he does not know. But rather, he wants us to come to him in fellowship so that he can rub off on us. That's the essence of prayer. But a major misconception I want to address this morning is what prayer is not, in a way. 
before I do that, let me ask a question. What did Jesus teach us? How did Jesus teach us to pray? He said, when you pray, what do you say? Come on, talk to me. When you pray, what do you say? Our Father. He says that in Matthew chapter 6 and in Luke chapter 11. He says, because the disciples come to him and they say, teach us to pray. And he say, when you pray, you say, our Father. Our Father. But how many people have heard of a teaching in recent times that places prayer as an appearance before a judge? How many people have had the teaching about court of heaven, appearance before a judge and all that? How many people have had that? Oh, you are safe there, so you don't know anything about that. It's good. That's good. It's good. But I just it's important to recognize that that prayer is not what? Talk to me. Talk to me. Prayer is not what? It's important to realize that. That prayer is not what? A court appearance. How many people have ever been to court before? Either you went with your friend or you were there driving, speed limit, whatever it is, whatever it is. You've been to court before a magistrate and all that. You know what it is when you appear before a magistrate, you know. But when we pray, it is not a court appearance. And people have said, based on what is written in Judge, I mean Luke chapter 18, that, oh, there's this court of heaven. You have to appear and make a case for your situation and all that. And then the adversary, the devil, is contending against you and all that. The Bible doesn't teach that in the New Testament. And I want to show that in the next few minutes. So turn to your neighbor again and tell your neighbor, neighbor, prayer is not a court appearance. I think it's important to realize that prayer is not a court appearance. He, he didn't teach us to pray when you pray and say, my Lord, Mr. Justice so-and-so or your Lordship. No, he, didn't. he said when you pray, you say, our Father. Our Father. So prayer is a conversation with God, our Father. And we'll see that shortly. So that's why I want to say this. And I want to show from scriptures that prayer is not a court appearance. Now, in the Old Testament, we see God as judge. And Abraham addressed God as judge in Genesis. When God said he was going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. And then Abraham said, will the judge of all the earth not do good? But that was in the Old Testament, not in the New Testament. Why? Because in the New Testament, God is no longer judge. So we'll see that from what Jesus said in John 5, verses 22 and 23. What does Jesus say here? For the Father judges what? No one, but has committed all judgment to... Talk to me. It's good. It's good. And then that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. And in verse 27, God has given him the Son authority to execute judgment also. Why? Why? Because he's the Son of Man. He's the Son of Man. It's important to realize that. You see, it will be unfair for God Almighty to judge us human beings in that sense. But Jesus can. Why? Because he's man. And the Bible is very clear. Jesus says of himself that God does not judge anyone. But he has committed all judgment to the Son. So who is the new judge now? 
Jesus is the new judge, not the father anymore. He's important. And who do we pray to when we pray? The father. Jesus tells us, Don't, you won't ask me anything on that day. But when you pray, anything you ask the father in my name, he will give you. So we pray to God the father. Jesus is the judge God the Father is no longer the judge. Then the next thing you see is in Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, this is Peter. Peter is speaking in the house of Cornelius. And he says there, talking, and says in verse 42, and he commanded us, talking about Jesus Christ, he said, Jesus commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he, it is he who was ordained by God to be what? Of and the dead. This is Peter saying that. That God is no longer a judge. He has committed all judgment to the Son. And Peter is now telling us that this is what Jesus taught them. So the Son is the judge. And let's listen again to Paul. Paul speaking in Acts chapter 17 says, Truly, these times of ignorance God has overlooked, but now commands all men, everywhere to be what to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will what the in by whom he has ordained who is the man jesus jesus he has given assurance of this to all by what raising him from the dead turn to your neighbor again turn to another neighbor this time around and say neighbor God doesn't judge again. Turn to another neighbor and tell your neighbor that. It's important to realize that. And we pray to the Father. We pray to the Father. I'm going somewhere with this. Now the Son is the judge. And in Romans chapter 2, you see the same thing in verse 16. In the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. In Timothy, he says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who we what? The living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. So it's very clear that God has given judgment and the act of judging to the Son. And now, you will ask me, is this an afterthought? Is this something that just suddenly came to God's head? After Jesus had come. No, no. It was something that has been written even before Jesus was born. So I will quickly go through this. If they, I mean, again, this is First Peter chapter 1, verse 17. It says that if you call on the Father, which is prayer, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourself throughout the time of your stay here. And Peter says, but this judgment is going to be by the Son, Jesus Christ. That is important. Now, let me look at this in the Old Testament. Jeremiah, let's read Jeremiah 23, verse together. Go. Who is that talking about? When is this said? In the Old Testament, before he was born. That has always been the plan of God. That when I send my son to the earth, then judgment will pass on to the son. 
It's important to realize that. So that's what we, and then he also says again in 33, verse 15. What does it say? In those days, it's important to recognize that. So when we appear in prayer before God the Father, there should be no fear of judgment. And I think that should be free. That's freeing. That gives us liberty. There's no fear of condemnation when we appear before God. And I think it's important to develop confidence when we appear before God in prayer. Why? Because he is our father and he does not wear the cap of a judge. Does that make sense? So when we go to God, we see God as our father. So I said there, Jesus has paved the way for us to approach God as father. Let's follow in his steps. So in the next few minutes, we're going to look at the prayer Jesus prayed. How many people have read John chapter 17 prayer when Jesus was going to the cross? In John 17, 1, the Bible says he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he began to pray. And he began to say, Father, I have given them eternal life. This is life eternal, that they will know you as true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And then he begins to say certain exciting things in the place of prayer. It's a prayer of, I mean, from John chapter 17, from verse 1. If you go to the last verse, verse 26, it's a prayer you can pray or read in less than 10 minutes. But there's something about this prayer that I find very exciting, which I think we should copy. In the whole of the prayer, let's watch how Jesus addresses the Father in prayer. Are we ready? Are we ready? Talk to me. Okay, verse 1. Let's read that together. Go. Stop. So what's he about to do right now? Talk to me. Pray. He's about to pray. Now, how does he begin his prayer? Go. So how does he address him? Father, Father, I don't, I mean, we're not going to go through the whole prayer, but just watch this. And then verse 5, go. Now, as you read that, I want you to count on your, whichever hands, left or right, the number of times what is underlined on the screen, the word Father is used, Okay. How many times now? Two. Two. Keep, an, keep a tab on that. Okay. So in verse 1, we see the word Father. In verse 5, we see the word? Okay. And verse 11, go. Verse 
How many times? Six times. Six times. This is a prayer that will take you less than 10 minutes to read. And in this prayer, how many times? Six times. Jesus says, Father. He said, Father, 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 Holy Father, Righteous Father, Father. Let me ask you, when you pray, what do you say? Who do you address in prayer? And how do you address him in prayer? Talk to me. What do you say? Jesus, yeah? Father God, yeah? Yeah, my, yeah, Daddy Lord, yes. I, I think I want to encourage you, challenge you, provoke you this week. That as you pray to the Almighty this work, you just call him Daddy, Papa, Father. Or Father God. I love to call him that. Papa God. You know, thank you, Papa God. You are so good. You are awesome. Why? Because prayer is a conversation with Papa. With Daddy. With Abba. He just want to, he just want to hear you call him Father. And you can see Jesus. Ephesians 5.1 says, As dear children, follow, copy, emulate Jesus Christ. Follow your Father. And so he expects us to copy Jesus Christ. So when we watch Jesus pray, you want to pray like that. Because he knows exactly how prayers are prayed and are answered. And so if you watch him pray, he will pray to the Father. And he says, you pray like that. You go to him. He's no longer George. And you go to him and say, Papa, Abba, Daddy, Father God, Papa God. I've come again this morning. He wants to hear you call him father. You know why? And I'll finish with this. I'm mindful of time. This is, this is a true story of a three-year-old. One day at home, the mother had some guests. So this three-year-old boy, he has the guest that came to the house, called the mother, doctor, 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 you know, in that conversation. Oh, doctor this, doctor that, doctor that. And then after the guest had gone, the boy, the boy goes to the mother and he says, mommy, mom, are you a doctor? And the mother says, yes, I'm a doctor. And you know what the guy says? Mom, you are not a doctor, you are mommy. You know why? Because you might be doctor to everyone, but to me, you are mommy. And when something happens to a child whose mother is a doctor, what skills will she bring to the table? All the skills she has will be brought to the table to look after this child. So the same thing with God. There's no name that can capture God. Whatever name we call God, they are expressions of his attributes. So you have God the provider. God who protects. God our banner. Whatever name you call God, they are expressions of various attributes of God. But guess when all these attributes will come to play? They will come to play as father. 
So whatever situation we are in, and our father comes in, whatever he has will be at our disposal. Does that make sense? And I can show you scriptures upon scriptures upon scriptures that show that. Let me show you one more before I finish. How many people have read the story in Luke chapter 15? Of the, we call it the prodigal son. You've not read it, at least you will have heard of it. Now, most of the time, people talk about the younger son who asked for his inheritance and went away. But who stayed behind at home? The older brother. Now, after the younger son had come back home and the father had killed the fatted cow, you know, and celebrated to welcome the son who had been lost back home, what was the response or the attitude of the older brother? Talk to me. Gutted, grumpy. And what did he say? He said, I've been with you, I've served you, and you've not even given me a small ram or goat to kill. And then what does the father say? Verse 31, Luke 15. The father said, son, you are ever with me. And all I have is yours. Why? Because he's son and he is father. So when we are dealing with God as protector, you don't have to know all the names of God. But every name, every attribute God has becomes ours to enjoy when we enjoy his fatherhood. So that's why he taught us to pray. When you pray, you say, our father. Once you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God becomes your father. And that is exciting. I wake up every morning excited that God is my father. He has my back covered. He watches over me because he loves to be called father and he is our father. That's what makes prayer exciting. That we have a father who loves us, who cares for us, who watches over us, who covers our back, and who loves to hear him. He loves to hear us. Call him father. So, I will encourage us this week, as we pray for two minutes, ten minutes, one hour, however long we pray, to call him what? Father. 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 So, that is the beauty of it. And you can call him Father in various languages. It just depends. Not everyone speaks English alone. You know? So, I love that. Tata. You know, depending on the language. Father in various languages. He loves to hear us call him Father. Father. He loves that. Amen. So that's my encouragement this morning. He's no longer George. He is Father. I hope it has been a blessing. I hope I've encouraged you. I hope I've done a bit of nudging and, uh, you know, try to get you to, to continue if you've been doing that and to start if you have not to call him Father. So we're going to start, stand right now. Let's stand to our feet.
oh no, where is my, where is my declaration? It's not there. Uh, I thought I had a declaration there. Anyway, I've got it right here in front of me. You will say after me, God is our father. Not that. I'm not, maybe they sent you the wrong word. That's all right. Just say after me, God is our father. We are our father's sons and daughters. He loves to hear us call him father. Abba father. Father God. Papa God. Daddy God. One more time. God is our father. We are our father's sons and daughters. He loves to hear us. Call him father. Abba father. Father God. Papa God. Daddy God. Just give him praise. I appreciate him. Let's exalt his holy name.